Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind. In this episode, I'm interviewing Nate Dukes. In his early 20s, Nate was a business owner chasing success while dealing with a secret drug addiction. After constantly hitting rock bottom, hurting everyone close, stealing a car and going to jail, Nate went on a journey changing his mindset and his decisions, which helped him create his own comeback story. He quickly found out that there were other people just like him who were stuck in believing the lie that they never changed. This episode is a mindset episode. I really think you should listen to this one because it's about getting past the bad decisions that you made in the past and learning how to change throughout time. So it's a step-by-step process. You can't skip steps in life as far as trying to succeed and trying to get over the bad decisions you made in life. And that's fine. You may have made some troubles uh, or went through some bad issues in life that maybe you weren't even fully control of. But at the end of the day, you can change who you are. And Nate does a great job uh, breaking that down. So please enjoy the episode. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. Hey, Nate, thank you for taking this time this afternoon on Saturday. I really appreciate uh, your story. So if you could, please tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I love this show. I love what you guys are doing. I'm a big fan. I'm excited to actually have this conversation. So um, me and my wife, we just got married last year. We celebrated our first uh, anniversary, which was crazy. Um, you know, full transparency. There were moments that I thought to myself, man, did I make the biggest mistake of my life? But we're in a really good place right now. Um, we uh, have a, a deeper love for each other and a deeper understanding for one another. But that's like the highlight of my story right now. My story actually started when I was a kid growing up. We were the poor family. We didn't have a whole lot. My parents, they were really kids trying to raise kids. And, and I don't blame them for anything, but really they were they were passing down their broken mindsets to us without even knowing it. And so here we are growing up with without a whole lot. And I would look at other people and see how happy they were. And I thought, man, if I could just get some stuff in my life that maybe I would be happy too. And there was this one time uh, my mom came up to us kids and she said, hey, I want to let you know, don't plan on having a whole lot of Christmas presents underneath the tree this year. And as a kid, that's, I mean, that's never anything you want to hear, but there's this really great church that came and they bought my mom a bunch of presents and it was an awesome Christmas. But I also had this understanding that it, it didn't come from them. And we started actually going to this church and man, they were great people, but I always felt like, I, always, I don't know if you ever felt like this, but like God is always watching you and he's yes. waiting for you to mess up. And as soon as you do, he's going to punish you. 
And that's just the, the I had this like religiosity viewpoint of who God was. And so I, when I went to college at age 18, man, I felt like nobody's watching me for the first time in my life. And I went a little wild. I, I wanted to escape the chaos of my childhood, but instead of bettering myself, I found myself being introduced to the party scene. So I would be drawn on the weekends to going out. That's when I was first introduced to alcohol and then drugs and, and they were competing with my studies. And so I started taking prescription ADD medication and mm-hmm. man, I felt like Superman and I was hyper-focused and I could study. And, and then all of a sudden I found myself in this place where these two worlds were colliding and and what started out as a weekend drinking drug experience turned into a full-blown drug addiction at age 21 and after four years of college I came nowhere near a degree and so I don't know if you've ever had to do the walk of shame before but the real walk of shame is when you when you move back in with your parents and so at 21 I had to move back in with mom and dad and um, through a series of events a friend of mine approached me and said, Nate, I want to open up a bar in downtown Youngstown, Ohio. And for me, this really touched on the entrepreneur that was on the inside of me, but it also touched on this party scene that I had really fallen in love with. And he asked me, he said, do you want to partner with me? And so I jumped in with both feet. And over the course of about two years, we took what was a failing business in the beginning and we turned it into something that was very successful. And now all of a sudden I had access to more money than I had ever seen in my entire life. Now, I I want you to understand, this was not a life-changing amount of money, but for me growing up as the poor kid, it felt like the world to me. And I had the right car, I had a great high-rise apartment in downtown. I was in social settings and social circles that I never had access to before. And I thought all of a sudden that this is what, I've arrived. And I thought now that I have all that stuff that I would be happy. But it turns out that I was still very empty on the inside. There was uh, a hole that was inside of me and I couldn't figure out why. And I was, I was determined to try and fill that emptiness with whatever I could to try and make me what I thought was going to be happy. And so that's when the drug addiction really started to take off. But then I also started gambling. I started going to casinos. And listen, I am the classic definition of what a bad gambler is, okay? I, uh, <laughs> I would go to the casinos and I would just get worked over hard. And like, you know, these girls who will get in relationships with guys that they have no business getting in relationships with, but they, they mm. keep going back over and over and over again. That was like me in the casino. I just was, I was in a bad relationship and I kept going back to it and Over the course of a year, I ended up gambling everything that I personally owned away. And my business or my bank accounts were empty, but the business bank accounts were full. And I guess I thought to myself in this moment, well, geez, I'm the business owner. Isn't it my money anyways? Well, you can't take business money and use it for personal investments. That's called embezzlement. And so here I was taking business money to fund my drug and gambling addictions. And I guess I always thought, man, I'm going to pay it back. It'll, it'll be good for the business. It'll be good for me. And, and uh, uh, we had about 20 employees who worked for us at the time. And my business partner came over to me and he said, Nate, it's, it's time to cut the checks. It's payday. And I just came clean to him in that moment. I said, listen, if we write these checks, there's not going to be enough money in the accounts to cover them. And you could see the confused look on his face. He was frustrated. He was upset. He didn't really understand what was going on. Then all of a sudden it started to catch up with him. And he realized that I had taken the payroll money the night before and I had gambled it all away. And uh, he gave me an ultimatum at that moment. He said, 
you can sign this business over to me and walk away free and clear, or I'm going to get lawyers involved and I'm going to press charges. And so at age 26, I signed over what was my life's work at that point, And I walked away and I, I moved back in with my mom and dad and they had no idea what to do with me. I could hardly hold down a job. My identity was wrapped up in being a business owner. When I didn't have that anymore, I didn't know who I was. And so I fell into this deep depression, full of anxiety, still dealing with this drug addiction. And I would get a job at a server at a restaurant somewhere and I'd resort back to what I knew, which was stealing. So I'd take from the cash register, I'd get caught, then I'd get fired. This happened three different times. And finally, the last time I got fired from a job, I was walking around my parents' apartment complex. It was three in the morning. I'd just taken a handful of pills. And I was, I was walking around to different vehicles to see if they were unlocked, to see if there was anything that I could take, that I could sell for more money. And as I opened up the car door to a 1999 Buick LeSabre, I lifted up the center console and I pulled out the spare keys to that car because apparently that's where you keep the spare keys to a 99 Buick LeSabre. But uh, in, my in that moment, I just thought to myself, maybe this is an opportunity to get away Maybe this is a chance to start my life over because my life sucks right now. And, and if I can just, if I can get away from it, maybe things will be better. And I don't know if you've ever tried to run away from your problems before, but oftentimes it's, it's not the condition of our life. That's the problem. It's, it's us. That's the problem. And I, I never set out to steal a car that day, but when you find yourself in the wrong place with the wrong headspace, mm. yes. you never know what is possible. And so there I was, I packed up five garbage bags of clothes and I headed for Houston, Texas. I had a buddy that lived down there that said, Nate, if you ever find a way to get down here, I'll help you start your life over. And now he had no idea I was going to steal this car, but there I was, I, I, I left and, and I, I made it about halfway, right? And I stopped right outside of a, a small town. It, it was right by Nashville, Tennessee. It was called Ashland City. I pulled into a gas station. Listen, I had been up for like three days at that point. I just wanted to get some sleep. And as I pulled into the parking spot, I dozed off. And then I was woken up at 9 a.m. to three really loud bangs on the windshield. And the car door opened. A stranger's hand reached in, pulled me out of the car, put me in handcuffs, and sat me in the back of a cop car. And the weight of every decision that I had made in my life sat on my chest like a ton of bricks. And this, uh, this thought kept running through my head. It was, it, was the, it was the same statement that teachers had told me. It was the same statement that ex-girlfriends had told me, that my business partner had told me. It was, you're never going to change. This is who you are. This is your life now. And I, I find that the, the voices that are the loudest are oftentimes the ones that are in our own head. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that before. You're never going to change. Or there's something in your life right now that when you look at it, you go, I don't know how this is possible my message is simple today. You can change. And uh, as they took me to Cheatham County Jail, where I spent six months of my life, uh, it was a pod style facility. So I shared it with 16 other guys, my pod. And uh, there was eight bunk beds. There were three tables. There were two toilets. There was one TV, but there were zero windows. And the only opportunity that we got to get out was once a month, they offered something called church service. And so I wasn't really interested in going to church, but man, I was interested in getting out of that pod. And so we walked down this long hallway and there was a cinder block room off to the left-hand side where they had 16 folding chairs set up. And as we filed in, this really, really old guy walked in and he, he pulled out this really, really old guitar. And as he started to tune it up, 
he looked at us and he said, fellas, the only difference between you and me is that I never got caught. And uh, he started to sing this song and it's called Amazing Grace. And it goes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And I looked around this room and I saw 16 guys with tears streaming down their face. And they were, man, they were ugly. They were white girl crying. Okay. This was, this was bad. And, and in that moment, it, it's hard for me to actually explain, but I, I, I wasn't worried about my past. I wasn't worried about my future, but this overwhelming sense of peace sat on me and that weight started to lift off my chest. And I just felt like in that moment, like, God, if you are real, maybe you can help me change. And in that moment, I just thought to myself, when I get out of here, I'm going to make some changes in my life. And so they gave me a felony theft over 1000 because you're not allowed to steal cars and drive them across the country. Um, and they sent me back to Ohio with two years of probation. And so um, I got very obsessed with personal development. I got obsessed with wanting to change my life. And my little sister, she, she got me connected to a really great church. And these people, even though I was a mess, were willing to get messy with me. And, and through that, I, I found a mentor. And I, I read this John Maxwell book that said, if you want your world to change, you've got to be the one that changes first. And so I went through a process of really changing my mindset, my habits, my belief, my friend circle. And so now several years later, my life looks very different. Now I, I get to lead hundreds of volunteers at my church. I sit on the board of a nonprofit for underprivileged youth. Uh, me and my wife, we got married. And, and for the last 18 months, I've been working on this book that's meant to help other people who feel stuck. It's called You'll Never Change. And it's designed to help people start from the bottom, create their own comeback and prove those negative voices wrong. So my life looks very different now and I'm thankful to be where I'm at today. And so it sounds like you had your aha moment. Uh, I made a video on our YouTube channel about that where you sit in the backseat of that cop car and you were like, okay, what is going on and what do I need to do to change? And then even more time, you had those six months uh, in prison and, able, and to uh, think and process everything. And then to top it on top of that, you also process everything on a spiritual aspect when you was going to church. And uh, did you give your life to Christ in, uh, in jail or did you when you got out? So it was when I got out. So I, I walked into this church that was actually connected to a mall and it didn't look like any church that I had ever gone to before. And um, the people met me with love and not judgment, which is what I thought was going to happen. But I, I walked in and and the music was relevant to who I was. And and man, this place looked really cool. And and as I sat down in the very back of the auditorium, this guy came on stage and he started yelling about how God isn't mad at me, but he's mad about me. And even in my lowest moment, all he wanted was a personal relationship with me. And so he said, on the count of three, if you would like to accept a fresh start with Jesus, go ahead and just shoot up your hand. And, and I did this one, two, and then like, I did this like half, like raise my hand, like you see me pastor, but I like, like, I don't want anybody else to see what I'm doing right yeah, now. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's crazy is, is I, in that moment, I understood that my eternal destination was secure, that God loved me, but man, I still didn't love myself yet. And I had to go on a really powerful journey of working on my relationship with me so that I could start to make some new decisions for my life. And so when you, you just talked about your book and how you've been pushing it for the last 18 months, uh, what are some key points in your book that you uh, want a reader to make sure that they probably, you know, put a little pin in their head when they read it? 
Yeah. So this book is designed for anybody that wants that has experienced failure. First of all, if you've experienced any kind of failure, if you struggle with self-confidence, if you need help creating a vision for your future, if you've ever had any kind of rejection and you're struggling with that, this book is designed to help you overcome all of it. So it's a combination of my story, but also the principles that I have personally used. So it is going to be a roadmap and a guide to help you create your own comeback story. And so how do you uh, suggest people overcome failure and make that comeback? Yeah, so that's the the big question that I get all the time. How do you make your comeback? The first part, and I've really broken this down into a science, and I believe that anybody can apply this to their life. The first part is, is you have to have a vision for your future. Now, before you write me off on this and say, you know, I've tried this before, I've had a vision board, I've I've done all this, just, just hear me out. If you go to an airport right now and you say, I want to fly on an airplane, they will sell you a ticket. But my question is, is it anywhere that you actually want to go? Until you take control of your future, there will always be somebody around you to tell you the direction of your life. And so I really work with people to create a very clear vision for their future. And we talk about things like, what kind of money do you want to make? What kind of impact do you want to have? What kind of relationships do you want to have in your life? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? What do you want your kids to say about you? These are all things that you have to have a vision for, because if you don't, you're just going to feel stuck. You're going to feel stagnant. You're going to feel like your life isn't actually going anywhere. So once you have a very clear vision, you know what you want. Now you have to add your decisions. So contrary to popular belief, what we do it matters. Our decisions will determine our destiny. The things and habits that you choose to pick up every day, there's a return on investment on your decisions, both good and bad. So if you're looking at your life, you got to understand it is a product of the decisions you've made. So I need to take that personal, I I need to take some personal responsibility and say my decisions moving forward are going to move me either towards or away from that vision that I've created. So you have your vision, you add your decisions. Now here's the hardest part. This is the hardest, this is where people usually struggle. You have to multiply it by time. The hardest four letter word we will ever hear is wait. W-A-I-T, wait. And this is going to take time because you're gonna feel like, man, I have this vision, I'm doing all the right stuff, but My life doesn't look the way I thought it was going to look. Hang in there. Giving up has never gotten you anywhere before. So you're not going to give up this time. You Mm. are going to choose to build your life from the bottom, brick by brick, no matter how long it takes. Because when you have a vision, you add your decisions, you multiply it by time. That is what is going to equal your comeback. And so I think one thing that uh, a lot of people have a hard time dealing with. Uh, I'm 30. Uh, so some people in, the, in this country, maybe they didn't leave their house until they were 30 from their parents. and But they want to automatically jump into, well, I see other 30-year-olds doing this, right? And I want to get where they got. But that 30-year-old started the steps, that the proper steps when they were 18. And so a, a lot of people that I notice when they're trying to uh, overcome failure, maybe they feel like they're behind the, the power uh, power curveball is that uh, they want to skip all the steps and jump right to where that other 30-year-old is at. 
And uh, I really stress about people not doing that, fighting that urge. You got to do what that person was doing at 18. And maybe you could do it a little bit faster because you have some life behind you, some life experiences, uh, but you can't cheat. Uh, I I've noticed you can't cheat success. Well, yeah, absolutely. And this is vital. This is such a famous quote. And if you, I I'm not giving you any fresh revelation here. I'm probably reminding you of something that you already know, but comparison is the thief of joy. If you look at somebody else's life and say, man, I should be there. You are missing out on what, where you are supposed to be. If God wanted another them, he would have created another them, but he created you. And so he has a plan and a purpose for you that you have to choose. You have to choose to walk that out. And social media, uh, people, I've been guilty of it, you know, looking at people on social media, like, man, look what they're doing, not knowing how they, what their income is, but somehow they're just enjoying life. And, uh, you know, and I have my responsibilities that I have in my life or and other people too, that, you know, they look at where they're in their life. And so I'm, I'm always, I always talk about the, that aha moment I mentioned earlier. Okay. What would it take? Does it take for you to have to be in jail? Does it take for somebody to have to be have to have died in your life, or maybe you, you are in serious uh, health condition for you to make that change? Or do you listen to this podcast or, you know, start uh, exposing yourself to particular content so you can make that change. And so you don't have to have life shaking because you could have had, your life could have gone completely different when you went to jail. Like it would have, com could have went completely left, but you know, God, I, you know, had other plans for you. So you were very fortunate. And so, you know, I would, I don't want to know, you know, hindsight's 2020. So looking into the future, you wouldn't want to gamble with your life on certain situations saying, Oh, it'll work out. You would want to put yourself in the best position possible. Uh, so I do appreciate your story is, is definitely uh, I, the, the car part is definitely very interesting to me because I, I always, I thought about it before I restarted this interview. I'm like, well, what if he made it all the way to Texas? Yeah, what, I thought what about would that. his life? Have, what would your life have been then? What were some other stumbles you would have went across in your life that would have? Would you still end up where you're at now? Uh, you know. Yeah, so I've played that tape forward a little bit too. I've thought about that several times. If I would have made it to Texas, I, my thought is is that I would have gotten there and immediately I would have fallen into the same patterns that I had before. So I would have started taking advantage of my friend. I would have started stealing. I would have tried to find a casino or, or a card game or some way to gamble down there. Um, I actually thought about what I was going to do with the car when I got to Texas. I was going to have to trash it somewhere, get rid of it because I can't, I can't keep it. Um, but it, eventually I would have burnt every single bridge, the same thing that I was doing back in Ohio, I would have done in Texas. Um, and so I, I am so thankful that I got caught when I did, because it, it was like God's hand fell on my life is great. Some people call it luck. Some people call it karma. I just choose to believe that God's grace and his favor, it's undeserved. It's unmerited. I didn't deserve it but his grace is guiding me and it's on my life. So I'm thankful that I got caught when I did. And, and I don't necessarily know that somebody needs to experience their rock bottom to change their life. Uh, I think they can, but you don't have to. So, so whatever you start to put inside of your mind, wisdom in equals wisdom out. And you just touched on this. Like, what are you putting, what are you listening to on a regular basis? Is it leading you towards something great or is it taking you away from where you need to go. And so I'm a big supporter of surrounding yourself with the right people, actually removing some people from your life, getting around the right people, taking wisdom in and 
understanding that if I want what somebody else has, I have to be willing to do what they did. And so I don't just want to look at someone's life or, or, or allow someone to speak into my life and say, well, you know what, that's good for you, but, but I'm going to try my, listen, I have a mentor for a reason. I'm not just going to let them waste their breath on me. I actually want to listen to what they have to say and take that advice. Stop waiting for something to happen that the perfect moment, it's never going to show up. You have to start now. You have to start executing on a high level. I had somebody that told me oh, like 20 something episodes ago, they were like, start it off ugly. Hey, I was telling them about, I was telling them about, uh, you know, Hey, I want my website, but I don't, it doesn't look like so professional. And she was just like, don't wait for something to look perfect. Just put it out there, flesh it out. And it will, you know, it will work itself out. And you will see as people start to click on your website and make comments, what are the things that you needed to, what adjustments you needed to make. But earlier you talked about your mentor. How did you find your mentor? And that is like the biggest question people like, how do I find mentors? Because you would save yourself so much headache with the wisdom of a mentor. Absolutely. So there's, there's two parts to this for me. The first part is, is you have to make room in your life for another person. So uh, psychology will tell us that we are the, the total of the, we're the sum total of the five people that we spend the most time with. Um, science will tell us that we're going to make the average amount of money of the five people that we do life with. So for some of us, we have to take that um, and understand we have some personal responsibility here to look at the last five text messages that we sent and say, do I like the fruit of that person's life? Because if I don't like the direction that they are going, I need to make some hard decisions here. When I start talking about this stuff, people say, well, Nate, are you telling me I got to give up on people? I got to walk away from somebody. I got to, I got to say no to my friends. And for some of you, absolutely. Yes, this is the permission that you need to walk away from that toxic relationship, that toxic friendship that is causing you more harm than it is doing you good. And so you need to, uh, so if your hands are full, it's hard to carry anything else. So start uh, allowing yourself to put some distance in between some of these people in your life. And you know, the friend group, you know who I'm talking about. You know, these people that you get around and you become a different person and they, they talk ugly and you don't like who you are when you're around them, just separate yourself from them. And now what you've done is you've created a space where somebody else can step into it. And so when I'm looking for a mentor, I need to find somebody that I'm willing to switch places with. So when I say that, I, what I'm meaning is, is I don't want to take advice from somebody that I don't want to be like. Perfect example. My uncle comes up to me at a barbecue. He starts talking to me about uh, investing and Robinhood and Bitcoin. And this is all really great stuff, right? I'm excited for it. But uncle, I'm not going to take your advice because you are broke right now. I need to take the, I need to take the strategies and the advice from somebody who's done it and knows exactly how to do it, not from somebody who's guessing. And so there's a lot of loudmouth people who are very charismatic, who have all the right, but you look at your life and say, why aren't you farther along in your life? Well, it's because they don't actually know what they're doing. So I need to make sure that the mentor that I'm choosing, they have something that I want. I'm willing to trade places with them. And so uh, once you, you got to put, once you find that person, you got to just put the ask out there. Hey, here's where I'm at. I feel stuck. Will you help? You will never know what their answer is going to be unless you ask. So it could be uh, someone locally. It could be someone online. It could be someone that you've heard about that your friends are connected with. 
but you need to start to attune your mind. I am looking for someone that I want to be like. And that's why it's so important to have a vision because if you don't have a vision, you'll just let any mentor in your life, you'll let anybody start to speak into it. And then when your life doesn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to, you're going to start to blame everybody else around you. The reality is, is you need a vision and you need advice and a mentor who's going to lead you towards that. That's powerful because um, as I've gone through my life, uh, I've had, I've been blessed to have particular mentors come my way uh, and that have helped me. But one thing that you talked about, two things you talked about that I thought was very important is making room for them. Uh, I never, I never thought about like that. I thought you could just add another person in, you know, on top of the friends that you already have Uh, vice. Yeah, you're right. You are the sum because a lot of people, you know, you definitely hear that as you, go through all these podcasts of personal development that we are the sum of the individuals that we are around and all uh, absolutely the, com- the common terminology uh or phrases uh birds of feather flock together so uh and then the, the other thing is too uh as i've been listening to other podcasts i've been hearing a lot about providing value to a mentor or to where that individual doesn't obviously feel like you know you know you're using them uh this this like a, there's like a kind of give and take with the relationship yeah. So here's what, here's my, my take on it. I think that, um, I think that there are a lot of people out there that actually are looking for mentees. They're looking for people to pour their life into. When somebody comes up to you right now and is like, Hey, listen, man, I love what you're doing. And I, where do I start? That feels good. You're, it's kind of stroking our ego a little bit. And it feels like, and it actually feels it's fulfilling to help somebody like that. It so is, a lot yeah. of the times the value that you're adding is by them seeing where you start and growing from it. That's why it's so important to take the advice when somebody offers it to you freely. When you find the right person and they give you the right advice, man, don't pass up on it. Don't overlook it. Don't say, oh, I'll do that when my life looks better. Start taking their advice immediately. And, I, and so I think that there are some ways that you can add value to a, like a, a super high level mentor that, uh, that is like two and three levels above you. You, get, you can get like sneaky and do some hacking to try and find ways to add value to their life. But mm-hmm. if you're looking for a mentor that's like one, maybe one and a half levels above you, just ask. Just ask. And they are, I really do believe that more people are looking for people to care about, to pour their life into and to help than we actually think. And so I want you to break down to me your journey between now you have your mentor, you the, the life that you have, you definitely work hard for. You explained to me from when you went from prison to now where you had to, it was steps. You had to forgive yeah. yourself. You had to gain the credibility back with the, your loved ones because it sounds like you definitely, you know, disowned people that, you know, cared about you or uh, had a business relationship with you. Um, you know, you broke their trust. Uh, so what, what was the stages for you? Did you forgive yourself first and then build your relationships back up? Could you uh, break that down? Yeah, absolutely. So the most important relationship in my life is the relationship that I have with God. But second to that is the relationship that I have with myself. And I touched on this in the beginning of the conversation. I said that God forgave me, but I still hadn't forgiven myself yet. And so I had to go on this journey of having some uncomfortable conversations with me. Tim Ferriss says it like this, everything that you want in life is on the other side of an uncomfortable conversation. So I sat down with three different versions of Nate. So I sat down with past version of Nate, 
present version of Nate and future version of Nate. We had a board meeting. We had a okay. meeting of the minds and we sat down because we, we needed to figure some things out because we were not all on the same page. Things were not working right. So I looked at past Nate and uh, I was frustrated. I was mad. I was angry. Truth be told, I was hurt. If he would have done things differently, my life would be different now. But I looked at him and I said, I know that you're broken. I know that you've done a lot of really ugly things, but I want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. And I went on this really healing and powerful journey over and over and over again. This wasn't a one-step process. This was a, a journey of healing where I really invested into forgiving who I was and loving myself again. And I can't help but wonder what some of our lives would look like if we actually started to forgive ourselves from some of the mistakes that we made and stop beating ourselves up so much. Listen, if it doesn't work out, you can always go back to beating yourself up. You can always go back to hating yourself, but why yeah. don't you just try it? Take a moment and just let go of the past, let go of the pain because unforgiveness is a prison that we keep ourselves in. And so I began to forgive myself and I really started to work on the relationship. And then I looked at present Nate and I said, listen, you've made some changes in your life that nobody can see yet, but I see them. Your life doesn't look the way that you want it to yet, but you have to keep going. And I started to really coach myself and encourage myself and build myself up because I didn't have anybody else really pouring into me yet. And okay. then I looked at future Nate and I had this conversation with him and I said, listen, whatever it takes to give you the life that you deserve, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to start at the bottom. I'm willing to, to build my life back. I'm willing to go through a process. I'm willing to make amends. I'm willing to work hard today to give you the life that you deserve in the future. And I started to build some trust with myself and, and I started to build some confidence because I was making promises to myself and I was keeping them. And listen, I don't know if you've ever had somebody who comes up to you and they start to like unload all of their dreams and their goals and what they're going to go out and do. And in your, you're, you're yeah. just shaking your head. Yes. The whole time. But in the back of your head, you're like, this is never going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. It's because that person, they don't have any credibility built up with you yet. You don't have any trust with them. And so I had to build some credibility with myself again by doing what I said I was going to do. If you tell yourself you're going to wake up in the morning at 6.15 and 7, 8 o'clock rolls around and you still are not up yet, your brain goes, I knew you weren't going to do it. You've never been able to do it. You, you don't follow through. And so what we want to do now is we want to do the hard stuff. We want to keep the promises to ourselves because we are building our self-confidence and our trust back. And now I am so in love with who I am. I want to show up for myself. I want to do the hard things. I love that I'm out there working hard because I'm doing it for me and I love who I am now. But it all comes from forgiving myself. It comes from encouraging myself and it comes from making promises to myself. And so that was the first step in my journey of really figuring out that this relationship that I have with me, man, it is so important. Your relationship with you is vital to you making a comeback. And then, so then once I got my relationship with me, right, I started to try and repair and make amends with some people in my life. And listen, there's going to be some people that when you try to repair the damage of your past, they don't want anything to do with you. And that's okay because you gave them a reason to not to trust you anymore. And so you are not responsible for anybody else's side of the street, but your own. And so I want to make sure that I've cleaned up my side of the street, at least make the attempt 
to make amends. But if somebody doesn't want it, you cannot force it. And yes. so I've, I've, I've worked really hard to try and be the best version of myself so that I can start to make amends for some people. And there's the truth be told, there's still some people in my life that I, I'm still working through. And I'm, my goal and my prayer and my hope is that over time, through being consistent, through adding more value, through serving other people, that they will see me in a different light because they only know a version of me that doesn't exist yeah. anymore. Yeah, this is true. That's all they know of me. And I can't blame them for not knowing me now. And so throughout that process, it sounds like you dealt with a bit of rejection. And so how have you dealt with that rejection over the years? And also uh, another talking point you mentioned about was haters as well. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So uh, rejection and haters go hand in hand for me. So I love what Silicon Valley says. They said, fail fast. That's their slogan. But also then they say, fail faster. So rejection is a part of failure. And anytime you start to create a new life or a comeback, you're going to experience failure and you're definitely going to experience rejection. And anytime you go check out a YouTube video that has more than a million views on it, if you scroll through those comments, you are going to see tons and tons and tons of hate and haters love to get behind a keyboard and they love to just say the crazy dude. Why? And why do some of them know exactly what to say to like pierce your soul? Like they can find, they can touch yeah. on that insecurity that will just hurt you. Like, how did you know? Um, so, but I say all that to say is that haters are a sign of significance. Anytime that you do anything of significance, you are going to attract people who do not like what you do. There's two ways to get the biggest building in town. You can either build yours up the tallest or you can tear everybody else's building down around you. And so for me, I've chosen not just to build my building up really tall, but I want to help build up other people's buildings as well. But when that happens, you are going to see people come in your life who come against you because our natural human instinct, when we see somebody being successful, when we see somebody trying to change, we don't go good for them. We go in our minds, what's wrong with me? And so I just have this understanding that, man, it's really not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of that person. And so I, I want, first of all, I want to experience failure. I want to experience it fast so that I can learn how to do it right. But then I also understand that the more haters that I have in my life, the better that I'm actually doing. And so if you don't have anybody hating on you right now and you're listening to this, my question is, is what are you actually doing with your life? So once you understand that haters are a sign of significance, then go out there and chase something and don't be afraid of the people who come up against you because it's going to feel like for some of you, like you're a plant growing through concrete, that you're the only one pushing through and nobody else gets it. Nobody else understands, but there is beauty in that. There's beauty in that. And what we can actually do is we can take that plant and we can transplant it into a place that it can thrive and grow and do really well. When a plant is suffering and it's wilting, we don't look at it and say, oh, there's something wrong with the plant. No, we say there's something wrong with the environment. So we want to get it into a place where it can get sunlight, water, it can get encouragement, it can get love, it can get built up and find mentors so that it can start to thrive. Awesome. So uh, with all that said, uh, I want to break down decision-making. A lot of this has to be, has been, you've been able to accomplish everything that you've been able to accomplish because of decision-making, right? And so I, I talked, I talked about, you know, not skipping steps. You talked about vision, right? You didn't want to lose anybody with yes. your vision board. 
but at the end of the day, uh, it was all about choice. And so a lot of people, do we have the same opportunities that others do? We don't. Uh, but one thing that I do like to people to empower themselves on is the ability to say, all right, I can go down this road. I can go down this road. Yeah. When I go down this road. These are the things that could possibly happen to me. And I cannot blame anybody else but myself because I decided to go down this road. Uh, what were some decisions uh, or what was your thought process on your decisions that led you to uh, where you're at today? Yeah. So I got really inspired by some of the books that I was reading and the podcast that I was listening to and the personal development that really touched on decision-making. And they talked about how at any given point, the decisions that we make can change the course of our life forever. And I really, really love when people talk about how our life right now is a reflection of the decisions that we've made in the past. So if you think about if you've ever moved somewhere um, or you, you decided that you were going to go get a new job, what are the decisions that led up to that? Did you meet somebody? Did you uh, apply somewhere? Was there a painful situation? All of these led to your life right now. I don't want you to buy into the fact that you should have known which decision to make then, but I do want you to understand that your decisions that you make, they're very powerful. And so for me, I want to start to take control of those decisions. I want to understand that, man, the decisions I make affect my destiny. So that doesn't always mean that they feel good. That it doesn't always mean that they're sexy. It doesn't always mean that they're the most fun decisions. Oftentimes, consistency and discipline are so boring. They're the most yeah. boring things in the world, but man, they are so powerful. And a little work over a long period of time can produce massive results. And so I just want to be in this place right now where I'm at my life and I look at it and I say, what are the things that I have to do every single day to be able to produce a life in two, three, five, and 10 years from now? And if I can start to reverse engineer that and say, well, I want to be healthy. So what does that mean? Well, that means that I've got to do the hard decisions of working out and eating right. Okay. I want to be wealthy. Okay. What kind of money do I need to be putting aside? Where do I need to be investing? What kind of a debt reduction do I need to take care of immediately? Where are these areas in my life that I want to be? And what decisions do I need to take to get there. That's why mentors so important. That's why uh, failing fast is so important because you can start to make the right decisions right away. And that's, that means telling yourself no a lot, you know, mm -hmm. you or, or uh, maybe your children, if you have children or, and your spouse and everybody has to kind of be on the same page with that. Uh, not that I'm envious, but I will say that I have like, I have like a baby sister. She's uh, she's 23 and it's just her. She's only responsible for herself. And I tell her, hey, the cool thing about it is, is that you only have you that you're responsible for. So you only have to tell no to yourself. I said, I got to tell no to five people. So think about it like that in comparison. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. There's a return on that investment of the no. There's a huge return on that. If you say no to the, the party, if you say no to the going out, if you say no to that vacation this year, it's what can my life look like next year? And so for, for you, it's tough, man. I, I've, I've got to be the leader of this family. I've got to be the one. I've got to be the bad guy sometimes. Um, but really, if you can find yourself, uh, if you're single or even if you're, if you're just newly married, you have this opportunity that I can say, okay, what are the decisions that I need to make? What are the decisions I don't need to make so that I can have a beautiful life in the future? And so, you know, from, from what everything you've been able to tell me, man, your life 
you have such a very beautiful story. And I think not only from a religious aspect, but also a practical aspect, a logical aspect, it makes a lot of sense, right? I think it could touch a lot of people's hearts on uh, what they went through, whether it was a, a addiction, whether it was bad decision-making, uh, whether it was for personal forgiveness. I think this is a, uh, a topic that needs to be talked about a lot because we, I look at, we can listen to podcasts and we listen to, or look at YouTube videos and we see people where they're at financially. Uh, let's just say earlier we were talking about real estate investing, right? And we're like, oh, it's just all about number crunching. And as long as you get a good deal, that's all that's needed. It's like, no, what needs to be addressed first is my mindset. Yes. Because to some people making 10 million is can never, they can never see themselves doing it. But to another, they're like, Oh, I can do that. That's easy. You know, and it's, it's mindset is key. Mindset is everything. And uh, I really stand by that. And without that, you won't be able to, to function in all the other aspects in your life to be successful. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I believe that everybody listening to this already has the gift set, the talent and the ability to change inside of them. I believe that you are more than a conqueror. I believe that you are the head and not the tail. I believe that you are a king and you are a son and a daughter. And um, but it doesn't matter what I think about you. It matters what you think about you. And that is why mindset is so vitally important, because uh, I love what Socrates says. He says, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't you are right. And so I just want to encourage you start to dream again, unlock some of those visions that have been dormant for a really long time. Give yourself permission to dream wild dreams and just watch what happens. Watch how God blesses you. Watch how your life can be completely different when you start to make the right decisions and you put some time to it. And so what do you consider your rich state of mind? What is your big why that drives you? Yeah. So in the very beginning of my life, I was chasing success. I wanted to have stuff because I thought stuff would make me happy. And now I'm at this place in my life where I am, I'm more interested in chasing impact and fulfillment. So um, happiness comes from what can I get for me? And it's uh, if I win, I'm happy. If I lose, I'm not happy. Fulfillment comes from how can I help you achieve your dreams? How can I help you achieve success? And so I am more interested in giving away everything that I have to help other people. And so for me, a rich state of mind is being fulfilled and seeing the people around me fulfilled as well. And so where can people uh, find you and also your book? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at who is Nate Dukes. Uh, the book is on Amazon right now. There's both a Kindle and a uh, hardback version. You can also pick it up on Audible as well. Um, you can also check out my website, you'llneverchange.com. And we'll also feature your book on our Facebook page as book of the week. So I actually will make sure I get the hard copy because this is going to be pretty cool. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure my father is going to love this Uh type of book as well. I really appreciate your time, Nate. I uh, appreciate your passion and your enthusiasm, man. I definitely feel it uh, from miles and miles away. And uh, the podcast will come out first and I'm pretty sure people will feed off of it, man, because uh, this is refreshing. And so I, I appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, man, I, I, you've created a great space for these conversations to happen. And I'm so thankful that there's people like you who are doing this. I appreciate you, man. You have a good day. Yeah, you too, brother.